Think Again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio. 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to Think Again, presented to you by Borderlands Cooperative, an organization that has been dedicated to social change for over 20 years. I'm Jacques Boulet. And I'm Jennifer Burrell. Today we're talking about some of the changes we need to make after the, uh, for the future after the dress rehearsal of COVID-19. Last week in our May Day program to celebrate International Day of Labour, we suggested that what's happening with COVID-19 may well be a likely scenario for environmental crises and disruptions to come. Thinking about what's currently happening globally, socially and very personally with COVID-19, this can really concentrate our thinking about climate change. As quite a few people have pointed out, global heating and consequential climate change is much more serious and a much more far and deep-reaching crisis than the current pandemic. A lot more people and many more species will suffer, indeed disappear, as catastrophic climate change and its many components will unfold in ways from which there will be no turning back, let alone a return to business as usual. Mm, especially if we don't do something to prevent this pretty urgently. Mm. So this is the culmination of our big disconnect with nature and the planet that started a few centuries ago and really intensified from the early 1900s. Somehow we came to believe that we could plunder and dominate nature and that it wouldn't have any consequences. Yeah, we should probably wonder about who do we are you referred to in your question or in your statement there. Mm. Who came to believe that we could plunder nature with impunity? And for whose benefit is it all, is all that plunder? It is a relatively select group of people accumulating and holding wealth and power and dominating and leading our political and communication systems and who are really only worried about short-term financial gain, really. Mm, Rather disastrously, which brings Mm -hmm. us back to something else we talked about last week at the end of our program. That's the history, the present state and the future of work. We want to talk about this a bit more in uh, today's program too, as well as the yeah. environment. Mm. Yeah, we need to look at future changes in the shape and the nature of work, partly as a consequence of the pandemic, but also including the growth of artificial intelligence, the automated processes which are now increasingly dominating work, and even removing the need for direct human effort in many, many areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's a lot to think about, but the pandemic has got us all talking about the nature of work and work conditions, so it's very topical at the moment. Mm. But rather scarily, Jacques, you spoke last week of a possible dystopian future with a fully automated and big brother-governed society featuring authoritarianism and electric 
sorry, electronic surveillance. Mm. I'd say uh, the coronavirus tracing app rolled out in Australia currently is a particularly scary dress rehearsal of this. I think it really normalises the idea of our government tracing its people and their associations through electronic surveillance. Mm, yeah, it's a little bit uh, preliminary really to talking about work, but it's important because even most of those in the know, they try to tell us that it will be all okay and just localized and just Bluetooth and whatever else they say. But then I listened to Matt Burgess from Wired, which is a uh, sort of an organization in, in the UK, which observes movements in the in the, the wire area. And they wrote last week a column, uh, quite a big essay, and the title of it was Coronavirus Contact, Contact Tracing Apps. They were meant to save us. They won't. And he quotes Jason Bay, who developed the Singapore tracing system, who said that it would be technology triumphalism to place too much hope in apps. Mm, which really backs up my perception that the mm. pandemic crisis has presented a sort of a lame excuse to run some sort of electronic surveillance trial mm. with, with really gross exaggeration being put out of the app's effectiveness or even its necessity. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I say I argue that it is not collecting your personal data. This is really disingenuous and, in fact, I think dishonest. Yeah, that's right. We know we know that our personal activity data is already joined up with other databases that identify us on a regular basis by the likes of Google and others. There's, mm. there's not only the potential for this, it already happens in the service of corporate profit. So we know that. We spoke about this a few programs ago and cited some very solid research backing this up. For example, by the local Consumer Policy Resource Centre and also Shoshana's, uh, Shoshana's sorry, Zubos book, The Age of Surveillance Capitalism. Yes, and listen, where would my confidence or our confidence in electronic security really come from? Having lived through recent stories like RoboDebt, federal police searching journalists' information sources, the manipulations of elections, US, Brexit, all of that. A really long list of recent electronic media security breaches and misuses. Mm, so how quickly we forget. Then in mm. the age, two days ago, we learn that the US is likely to have access to the app's COVID safe data that's being stored by the American company, uh, one of the most unethical companies we know, Amazon, Amazon Web Services. So this isn't a conspiracy theory. It comes from a top official in the Attorney General's department. So uh, I'm really, with all this in mind, I'm really amazed and disappointed that 5 million Australians apparently have downloaded this surveillance app I, re I really mm. did think we knew better and had better instincts. So it really contrasts with um, a really now a comparatively more benign thing, the identity card, which was proposed in the mm. 1980s. Yeah, exactly. And that was dropped after widespread mm. popular opposition. Anyway, mm. <laughs> we're, not, we're not revisiting all this to be depressing. We want to talk a bit more about other ways we can and need to organise ourselves while being vigilant and not surveilled. 
We need to not only oppose the oppressions and injustices of our system, we also need to have a vision of the type of future, the type of society and communities we want to create. Exactly, and that centrally includes work. So, But on that note, we'll turn to There is Power in a Union by Billy Bragg, and after that, a promo. Hi, this is Warren from the Concrete Gang. The federal government is using COVID as an excuse to wind back workers' rights. If you're concerned about issues in your workplace, including health and safety during the COVID-19 shutdown, contact your union. In fact, demand action from your union. It is time to get on the front foot. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital, and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're going to talk, and we are talking, about changes taking place in the time of COVID-19 and the directions, particularly around work, which we need to go to in the future. That's right. So picking up a thread from last week, Jacques, Mm -hmm. you suggested we need to reconceptualise and revalue work into the future. What is work? So can you tell us a bit about what you meant by this, Jacques, and how you think it might be done? Well, tuning in again a little bit to the present context of the pandemic and its aftermath, and having listened to the PM and his treasurer pontificate about the need to get Australia back to work, and it is and it is really only, according to them, about bridges between the old before COVID and the post-COVID, and about needing to snap back to what was presumably going so well before COVID. That seems to be the kind of way in which they present it. And as the PM said a few days ago, we need to open up economy to restore one million jobs. So it really does look as if the government believes that we just need to flick back to business as usual and that it's just a matter of those jobs going on again and or coming on again and all will be hunky-dory. Mm, that's right. I guess we're so brainwashed with the business management school way of doing things that we all think we need expensive CEOs and executives uh, also to tell us what to do as laid out mm. in detailed management plans that project a few years 
ahead. Of course, the irony is that they all like to talk about being innovative and agile, even while implementing these slow elephant and really short-sighted plans, short-sighted in terms of mm, yeah. finding short-term well, profit. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Whilst there are some timid whispers around, it is blatantly clear that they continue to apply the now so obviously ineffective remedies to whatever comes along as a threat to what they project to need, uh, we need as an economy, and that is continuous growth, mm. profits for the few, and a job for the rest of us. Mm. As we said last week, there are really three major things which are in the way of believing that we are simply having to go back to where we were before. Mm -hmm. The three things I mentioned or we mentioned were the crisis in capitalism itself, the demands of our suffering ecology and the existing processes that lead into the present transformation of the nature of work. Already we talked about automation, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. So there's a crisis in capitalism. We have our struggling mm. environment and mm -hmm. also the changing nature of work. And mm -hmm. so you're saying these are all connected and these are the it, things that are demanding change. Exactly. Yeah, let's just start with the crisis in capitalism, obviously very briefly and with lots of bits that should be that are worthy of much longer conversations. Mm. I mean, we do know that capitalism has always been crisis-prone. When you look at the history of capitalism, there was always depressions and recessions and all of that. Mm -hmm. And there are now, at the moment, quite a number of comparisons being made between the effects, uh, the, 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 the Great Depression in the uh, 20s and 30s last century, mm -hmm. and what is going to happen and what is happening with the COVID-19 thing. That's probably a good comparison, but uh, mm -hmm. at the same time, we seem to forget that since the 1970s, during the imposition of neoliberalism, the crisis which then happened uh, during the time till now, they sort of leave, seem to be located or restricted to the financial sector or somewhere in Venezuela or in Hong Kong or wherever. But they have altogether and ongoingly been disastrous for workers, for families everywhere, and in the end, it seems, for capitalism itself. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, that's meant great losses for workers as more and mm -hmm. more labour is displaced from production and pushed into urban life. And mm -hmm. the gig economy, like... like um, labour being pushed into quick jobs you can get for a week, for example, mm. very part-time and, and really piecemeal and insecure. That's correct, yeah. And particularly also we have now moved, as uh, the, the, our Victorian treasurer said recently, into a mostly service economy. That means that the production, uh, manufacturing, all of that has diminished in importance, really. And mm. that, that means also that the struggles have become struggles for livelihood and for living circumstances, rather than directly being a struggle about the production process. And what we've got now is, as you said before, gig jobs, you know, casualization, major mm. job shifts from production and even administration into services, hospitality and food, mm. and therewith, obviously, into uncertainty, because that mm -hmm. is also the sector which has been mostly hit during the crisis. And as this crisis shows, 
they are areas where most under un, and underemployment is generated and existed. Yeah, and and of course at the same time we know that wages haven't been mm. growing with the cost of living or even with the generation of wealth overall that's mm-hmm. being that's channeled right. into fewer and fewer hands. We know that. Yeah, exactly. Many of the jobs our leaders are hoping for, they will not just, they just not come about anymore, which means that many of the training and employment programs which are being sort of targeted to go and help with the solution, they are rather useless setting people up for a future of meandering from one meaningless job to the next meaningless one. Centrelink visits and all of that, of course, just the only thing interrupting those meaningless job uh, moments workers will have. Yeah, and with all the um, training that people are being asked Mm -hmm. to do because it's supposedly their fault that they're not employed, so there are lots Mm -hmm. of unemployed people who can attest to going to lots of courses that they can put on their resumes, but, of course, they still have no job. Exactly. Overall, as uh, the writer and uh, sort of critic David Harvey in his book on uh, uh, neoliberalism says, capitalisms, they are really doing very well, but capitalism itself is doing rather badly. And he cautions as activists that our movement should probably remain basically anti-capitalist rather than only anti-neoliberal, which Mm -hmm. basically suggests that neoliberalism is just a a rather especially bad expression of what is really a totally destructive system. Mm. So on that note, we'll go to a promo and continue after that. Mm -hmm. Pandemic People Power is a three-part online conference presenting stories of community power, resistance and resilience in times of COVID-19. To join, go to latinamericansolidaritynetwork.org and follow the links to Pandemic People Power. Starting 11am on Saturday 9th of May, the first mini-conference will feature a panel of speakers from so-called Australia, Latin America and beyond. Group discussions exploring opportunities to connect struggles and live music. Register now at latinamericansolidaritynetwork.org. Lasnet is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Think Again, 3CR 855 AM on your dial. 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. Today we're talking about the directions we're going as a society and where we need to redirect ourselves for a healthy place where we can all live, work and thrive. So Jacques, what do you think is the answer to the emerging crises that you've been talking about, the emerging crises with capitalism and the nature of work? Probably it's important to say again and repeat more respect. We need to start with more respect and and attention and care for the natural world, which surrounds and feeds and keeps and, and holds it alive, really, mm-hmm. as well as then also more concern and more respect and for the work of people, for the way in which they, uh, through their work, put themselves into the survival and in, into the uh, all this whole the whole set of activities which we need to do, need to engage in to keep mm-hmm. us alive and to keep our planet alive as well. 
So what we need to really do is to have a much more serious look and experiment with alternatives, including particularly localized, community-controlled and decentralized forms of work, which are all interconnected. We have been talking about these and advocating for these things in a number of previous programs. That's right, yeah. Like uh, employee-owned cooperatives and, for example, or worker-owned and worker-run businesses. Yep, totally. Michelle Bowens, who is the founder of the Peer-to-Peer Worldwide Meanwhile Network, he suggests that in the last 20 years, an enormous explosion of alternatives has actually taken place. In the early 2000s, there was just one uh, digital kind of way, which was an open source form. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what it's called anymore, but uh, it was there. Mm -hmm. It was used very widely. Mm -hmm. Now, meanwhile, there are thousands of uh, urban commons. Cities across Europe now have a tenfold increase in urban commons who all use open source forms of staying connected, of advertising themselves in their communities and so on. Mm. It's an amazing um, explosion, really, mm-hmm. if I can use mm-hmm. that word. So I guess and with commons meaning communally owned and mm-hmm. communally run enterprises right. and with, with open source meaning downloadable um, mm. and free software that's downloadable, free access, and it's shared for collective benefit and production and, and not for private profit. And there are lots of examples where this is actually There's, being done and yes. working. Mm. Absolutely. Since the last 20, probably even 30 years, the examples uh, are, are all over the all over the world, really, including also Australia. Examples are for are maker spaces, fab labs, Multifactories, there's about 120 of those multifactories in Europe involved in real production work, decentralized, localized with craftspeople who are mutualizing their work on their production. For example, also using 3D, 3D printers mm-hmm. in a common space using open source principles and open source platforms. The political expression of this is growing as well. With official regulation of this sector, they st- have started to be deployed in Italy in 250 different systems. In France, it's a, it's a theme in the municipal elections with a real commons political program at the local level becoming part of, uh, mm. of uh, campaigns and all of that on the municipal level. So everywhere there is an active pursuit of alternatives to capitalist exploitative labor right now happening. In Australia, we have lots of initiatives as well. There's the Earth Worker Cooperative in the Latrobe Valley. Valley. Then in Central Vic, for example, in Castlemaine and in the surrounding shires, there is a very dense very well-connected network of localized initiatives. There is uh, the new, uh, the new economy, uh, the sorry, the new economy network, which works at least in six, six or seven different regions in Australia right now. Has regular, regular conferences, regular meetings, publications, and all of that. Mm. Mm. So. Um I guess also in our last program on work, we proposed a general basic income, another very workable solution. It's mm-hmm. a topic that, but it is a topic that really requires a whole program. 
An mm. almost reflex argument against this is that people won't want to work if they're already getting money. Mm. But actually, they do. There's ample research that people actually want to work. So to quote Rutger Bregman from his book Utopia for Realists, Quote, there is overwhelming evidence to suggest that the vast majority of people actually want to work whether they need to or not. In fact, not having a job makes us deeply unhappy, unquote. So this is really consistent with major international surveys on health and well-being for some time now. They all find in different ways that what gives people a sense of well-being is being occupied in meaningful activity, making a contribution and using their skills and talents, as well as having healthy relationships, of course. This is what gives people a feeling of meaning and purpose in their lives. Mm. And a lot, thousands of volunteers would attest to this. Another reason why we can't and shouldn't think about the post-COVID-19 crisis as business as usual is the fact that the environment won't let us continue to exploit and destroy so many of its vital components and processes. So collectively, work needs to urgently be redirected away from extractive and destructive mm. industries. Yeah, I guess um, like digging minerals out of the ground or, or gas or tearing down forests. Mm, that's right. We need to move towards more what I call, or we, what we call at Borderlands, restorative and regenerative types of work. Mm, yes, mm. restorative and regenerative work. It sounds much more yeah. um, healthy well, it's, than... It, it, sorry, it's restoring work that restores the damage we have done, but out of that restoring then starts to think about it as regenerative. That means we need to regenerate the capabilities of the land and of ourselves in that mm -hmm. relationship of sustainability, that, to, mm -hmm. you know, that we become more able to sustain ourselves in a sustained kind of an environment which becomes generative of the kinds of things we need for our own mm. survival. That would require, of course, associated activities as education, training, research, and the caring professions. A post-COVID crisis would actually offer a brilliant opportunity to start a program of renewable, renewable energy. And on, based on that, revitalization of local economy, economies. Mm. It will help us also to do our part in lower, lowering emissions, in restoring a safe climate for the world and all its inhabitants. And it is heartening to hear that even industrialists are now join, joining the chorus of voices, letting our government know that business as usual is actually rather bankrupt thinking and destructive practice. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm. Yes. So, briefly, briefly, the new community will be uh, offering or uh, printing and distributing its, its next issue about grassroots work. And the next one after that will be about uh, all the community development initiatives which have jumped up everywhere uh, mm -hmm. where, uh, during the crisis of the COVID-19, really worldwide. Mm. Mm. So thanks for listening to Think Again on 3CR Community Radio with Jacques, Bilal, Bar sorry, Jacques Boulay and Jennifer Burrell. Remember, if you want to send us a message or ask about anything from today's program, you can email borderlands, that's borders at borderlands.org.au. Just put Think Again in the subject line. 
We would also like to thank Leanne at 3CR for coordinating this program once more from the 3CR studio during the time of the coronavirus, while Jacques and I continue to hook up remotely as well. So meanwhile, stay tuned for the following program, Jailbreak, which gives a voice to prison inmates, their families and friends. To bring us into this program, we have World Turning by Yothu Yindi. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.